Healthcare and senior care is fraught with problems and challenges, but we're also seeing some amazing new clinical treatments and resources. This show will help illuminate and uncover the good, bad, and the ugly in order to equip patients, families, and other healthcare providers. Welcome to Senior Care Confidential. Happy New Year 2024. It's our first show, Senior Care Confidential. Hi, Brian. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, thank you. How was your holiday? It was good. I got the touch of the flu. Sounds like you did too. I did it's too. It's been going around here in Dallas. It has been going around everywhere. Stomach flu, COVID, just flu. Yep. And then RSV. Fever for four days, that, in my case, in my kid's case. Yeah. My um, husband had fever for four nights too. It was over 100. Yep. And he was miserable. Anyway, no COVID though. So that was good. It's good. Yeah. I know. It's good. Great weight loss plan for the holidays. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So anyway, so today we are talking about just the new year. And, you know, I've been following this story in the New York Times, um, dying broke. How are we going to pay for care for our seniors? Oh, yeah. And the story is just fascinating. And I think starting the new year, people are talking about finances, how to save, you know, what can we do differently? You know, how can we improve on our lives? You know, how can we make a change? And one thing we have to start talking about the cost of care. Yes. So we're talking about, um, and we're not we're not talking the cost of healthcare. We're actually talking about the cost of what they would call like convalescent or caregiving care. If you're needing people to help you either in your home or you're having to move to a new home where caregivers live or work, that's that's the kind of cost that we're talking about here. That's right. So um, the New York Times um, put out this story about the financial strain of caring for an aging loved one. One thing in this article it said, and I thought this was so awesome, financial ruin is baked into our system whether you're rich or poor. Tell me your thoughts on that. Yeah, so maybe I think so. I, I, I think for sure it gets much more costly, uh, you know, as we get as we get older, um, and we'll we'll talk about some stats in a second. Um, but it seems like like when when you look these stories up, and even in our in our world working with with um, elderly patients, it seems like the the folks on the higher end of the wealth scale seem to be managing things okay, um, and then the folks on the lower end of the wealth scale seem to be managing okay because they're they're able to access like Medicaid and those kind of things. Where I find the most challenge is with the people who are like middle income that's or middle right. net worth. That's and that's right. where they're in this messy area where they have too many assets to qualify for Medicaid, but they don't have near the assets available to them for things like live-in care or assisted living care or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's yeah. very scary. So just talking about the cost. So we're going to start the cost for assisted living the average nationwide is forty five hundred a month. Um, now, I just went with one of my clients, and we've looked at six or eight places in the last week, and forty five hundred is on the low side. The yes. lowest we found in Central Dallas, independent living, two bedroom that was decent. Um, she could park her car was forty nine hundred. Yep. That was independent living. Three meals a day. That's all you and get. And what's the average for a social security check? Her a couple che- grand, twenty five hundred, something like that. Yeah, twenty three hundred. Yeah. So you've got to look at 
her check's going to go straight to that mm-hmm. half of that income. Yep. The other half has got to come from saving somewhere. Yep. Okay. So or family. That's right. Yep. Or family. So assisted living, 4500 per month nationwide. Dallas, that is a little higher. Yes. You know, we're higher here. Skilled nursing, 9000 to 12000 I did check with a friend of mine who is with a big company um, community here in Dallas that has skilled. Their rate per month for skilled nursing is 14000 a month. Yeah. That goes, that, I mean, that is buying a car, a used car. <laughs> Every month. Every month. Yeah. Um, private care, round-the-clock care is between thirteen and 14000 thousand a month. So if we're going to have round the clock caregivers at 30 to 35 an hour, and you've yep. got to include overtime, yep. that is a huge chunk of money. Yep. Um, if you're just going to do it for like 40 hours a week, it's roughly 50 grand a year. Yeah. So it's like $4,000 a month. Um, if you're doing about 40 hours or so, give or take a week, but that doesn't include overnights. No. Right. And the, the, that family that you were talking about that's in that crunch, the, mm-hmm. the, the daughters that work full time and mom's living with them, but they've got to have a caregiver while they're gone, that 40 oh, yeah. hours. Well, maybe the daughter makes 35 an hour as a teacher, but the caregiver is 32 an hour. So it's they're spinning their wheels on, you know, working versus staying at home, quitting your job, losing that retirement. Yeah, they AARP had a study a couple of years ago and it says that they estimate um, between 26 to 40 million individuals um, spend part of their days or part of their weeks caring for an aging loved one. Um, and annually, on average, they say that's between 16 to 24 hours of care per week. Wow. So you have, you know, roughly call it 30 to 40 million people that live here in the United States that are committing to between roughly 20 hours a week of unpaid caregiving help. Well, I know with my parents, I mean, I'm a nurse. I have a business. I had a business, took care of my grandmother. Yep. You know, I nobody in the family really stepped up um, and I was a nurse. So I was the, and I didn't mind. I loved it actually. Um, my parents too, you know, I mean, I had to work, mm-hmm. you know, and then paying for care. You know, it's very expensive when you're paying for college and private school and insurance uh-huh. and, you know, everything else. So so anyway, it's a lot of money. And I think there are some assumptions that people have about, oh, yeah. about long-term care. So let's talk about say, those assumptions. I would say the number one is Medicare covers it. That's right. And Medicare is nothing but an insurance company. That's you know, right. It's, it's, it's run by the feds, but it's still an insurance company. They do not cover what we call convalescent care. So if mm-hmm. you're needing somebody to come out and help you, you know, with dra- dressing, bathing, <laughs> light housekeeping, medical transport to physician practices or whatever, they're not covering that. And we get this question a lot. I thought Medicare covered home health aids. I'm like, yeah, it's very temporary though. It's not, it's not seen as a long-term solution. Um, and so that's a, that's one of the big myths or one of the big, um, misunderstandings rather that we have to correct often. I think too with home health, one of the assumptions is that homes, home health services, as long as you don't want to go on hospice, you should be able to have home health indefinitely. So, so what is the average length of stay for someone that goes on home health gen- through Medicare? Yeah. So it, it's roughly, let's just call it 60 to 90 days. 
on average. So three months. Uh, roughly. Yeah. And it's usually, you know, once or twice a week. You know, early early on in services, we usually will um, have therapists and nurses seeing them more frequently because usually there's been some sort of incident. There's been an injury, there's been a fall, there's been a, an illness. And so initially we'll kind of what we call front load visits um, because there is some higher risk of them having another failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as time goes on, you'll see those frequencies reduce over time. But yeah. You know, another thing, um, an assumption, you know, you're seeing these commercials at the end of the year, the Medicare Advantage plans provide everything, including the kitchen sink. Uh, People even think they're going to get some kind of long-term care program with that, and they're not. I I know you and I talked about there are some that are... There's some limited ones. I've seen them where where like Aetna or whoever is authorizing, you know, a few hours a week of some private duty in-home care, but it's, it's really pretty, it's pretty minimal. Um, the other thing that w- that we since we're talking about cost too, you know, there's a there's a, an, an assumption that a Medicare Advantage plan is going to save me money, and really what it's a it's a flawed assumption because really what it is it's it's more of a pay as you go, and so yeah, if you're if you're generally healthy, and you know you're not going to need to access you know hospitals or rehab hospitals or skilled nursing facilities or home health, um, then you can probably save yourself you know hundred. 120 to 150 bucks a month um, by going with the Medicare Advantage plan over original Medicare. The downside to that is when you start to access or need to access that care, there the costs can can be uh, well into the thousands. So you think you're saving, but you're really only saving money on the upfront. Um, but once you start needing it, so we have a, a a lady we were working with recently, and she has one of these Advantage plans, and unbeknownst to her, because she thought she was just getting a better because that's what they're told. You, this is just a better Medicare program. It's not. Medicare is one thing. Right? Mm-hmm. This, these other programs, if you will, are 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 um, controlled or they're provided by um, commercial insurance. It's essentially commercial insurance plans that use that uses the Medicare dollars that you spend, right? And so she thought she just had a better, cheaper. Medicare plan and come to find out she had a uh, one of these advantage plans and her time in the skilled nursing facility um, was up according to you know some utilization review person you know 3,000 miles away and um, she was not anywhere near ready to go back home yet and so she ended up had a, out, of, out of pocket for the next I think it was like 60 days um, or 45 days um, and so it was like something like $17,000 that she had out of pocket. Mm -hmm. And then when she comes to home health, um, she had a, I think it was a 40% copay. So by the time all is said and done, she's into this thing for $30,000, $40,000 that she was not expecting. That $30,000, $40,000 could have been very helpful in getting her some private duty caregiver help in the home. So like the insurance stuff that we're choosing as seniors too needs to be kind of calculated into, you know, your overall cost because, you know, she thought she was saving a couple hundred bucks a month and ended up costing her 40k. So I just those don't understand why the government is not getting involved with that because those advantage plans are a scam. And so I'd say they're a scam. They're they're I would they're say the vast, I know, the, vast, the vast majority of them are 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 not good plans. Um and it, I shouldn't healthy. say it that way. They're good they're, if you're healthy. They're good if you're that's and right. you don't have a lot of money. Right. Or if you want to play the game of I would rather have less cost up front and then just run the risk of if I gotta pay more, I gotta pay more. 
those are fine. Um, where I get really upset with them is in how they're sold. I know. Um, I, I don't like them being called Medicare plans or a, ver a different version of Medicare, even though technically it falls underneath that. It's just, it feels icky to me. Like you're, it's a sleight of hand thing. And it really should be, it's entirely separate thing. It's run by commercial insurance plans. And if that's the route you want to go, fine. But be aware that this is, these are the risk factors that, that go into those things. But, you know, the other piece of it is, you know, we've talked about this before where there's, you know, the regulatory capture piece of it where they're just changing jobs. The There's a lot of lobbying dollars that are spent in these things. You can't get congressmen to agree on anything, but they all agree that Medicare Advantage things are like the, are the bee's knees. Like, this come on like there's nothing that we agree on in washington dc except for medicare advantage plans so you know there's there's a lot of money changing hands with these things but all that to say we, we already talked about the medicare advantage before but it is a factor when we're talking about the costs of aging and the need for planning for additional costs as we need additional help in the home or whatever these the insurance choices that we make absolutely need to be factored into this as well i know I know. And you know, I've paid in, I've worked since I was 15. I so I put myself through school. So I should have all these years of working, I should have a decent plan when I, you know, services, mm -hmm. you know, turn 65 well, you know, and I'm talking fall. about the social security stuff being, know, um, you know, being in the red. And so, you know, the amounts of money that you're seeing now um, for those of us that are younger, you know, that's not going to be there as a backstop or at least in the amounts that you know, we thought what might be there. I know. So save your money. Right. Um, okay. Or have so, lots of kids. That's the other issue too. I haven't seen this talked about anywhere, but you know, if you think about it, like the, the, the baby boomer generation, they're, they're called baby boomers, right? Because they had a bunch of kids. They are like, my grandparents are supported by, you know, five kids on one hand and seven on the other. And then, you know, it, like my kid, I've only, I've got two. I know. You know, so if I'm a financial burden to them, like two of them have to help me. Well, and that's, seven. you know, my, um, my in-laws, my husband is from a family of six kids. And when the, when they were declining, they all pitched in. Yep. They, you know, it was wonderful. Yep. And I think that's what it's supposed to, we're so supposed to younger, be fruitful have and multiply. More kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, have more kids. You. And There's you know, your financial plan for you. If you're I younger, know, have more kids. Younger generations yep. are having more kids. You know, my, my son and his daughter, they have three already and they um, send the kids to a little school that the, they're very common to have four or five, six kids yeah. in the families. So have kids, be fruitful and multiply as they right. say. That's right. Okay. So we're going to talk about how is our system structured? You know, we're talking about the cost and just the, the high cost, the failure, the the services that are provided, the lack of staff, just there's just so much. So how is this system structured? It's structured to fail. So that, that's what I want to talk about. Um, our senior industry, people want to get on the senior bandwagon because they think they can make all this money. So we've got all these businessmen that are great at stocks and bonds and mergers and acquisitions, and they're going to get into the senior care healthcare industry because they can make so much money. Well, in their defense. So I, I, I like to study economics and, you know, as a hobby and there's like, I think his name is Dent. It's, it sounds like a, like a um, Batman character. It's Harry Dent or Harvey Dent, one of these. Um, and so he's got several books out. He's, he's kind of a, he's a bit of the, um, you know, the scarecrow, like every the sky is falling all the time. So I don't like that aspect of it, but he's got some really smart stuff out there. And um, he's got one of his books that I have um, actually tra tracks 
the baby boom generation. And if you look at the the biggest industries that grew, it was as those uh, baby boomers were growing, and as they were as they were going through you know toddler years to adolescence to you know college years and having kids their own. And so a lot of the senior stuff is just following that same trend of you know there's this big bubble of this population that's aging as they go, and they're just kind of following that. I know. So in their defense, I think, and no, in their defense, I know they see it as money, but it's human beings. It is. And as a nurse, you know, you know, I just want the very. It is. I I want the very best. So yes, they need to make profits and they need to pay their bills, but they're human beings, and we're taking care of our most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So you know. Anyway, so the senior industry is profitable. These communities, you know, that have all the bells and whistles, there's a community here in Dallas that is 500000 to move in. That is the move-in cost. Family gets the money back or 90% when the patient passes or the resident passes. Um, but they have got every the furniture is polished. They've got the chef, you know. Um, but really, what's going on with the care? You know, what kind of care are they providing? The building may be beautiful, maybe a high rise, beautiful area of Dallas, but are they providing the right care? Um, Another thing, you know, attorneys, there are attorneys that specifically work with spin downs so that people Mm -hmm. qualify for Medicaid. So um, I have had several clients over the years that the family moved the money hid the money, dispersed, and now mom, who grew up in a very nice home, is in a nursing home yep. on Medicaid with no staff, There's, there's pushes something the call light and nobody comes. Right. And there is a problem with this picture. And there's something about like a five-year look back to, there's some, I, I remember hearing something about, like you, you can't, plan for it today. Like you need to be planning for this like years in the future there is because I think five, there's a five year look back because they know, they know people are going to play this game. Yeah. There are ways to work it though. Yeah. You know, so I just, I think, yes, that money is the children's inheritance, but these adults have saved for this rainy day and this is that rainy day. Yeah. This is that catastrophic time. They need that money for their care. Yeah. So never, you never want to jeopardize the care for the for the savings. Okay. So um, another thing, as far as the SIP system being structured um, to cost, is diseases like Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. cardiac disease, dialysis, renal. Um, patients that are diabetic. If you are a brittle diabetic, meaning you need. Um, your sugar level checked and you've got to have injections three times a day, you don't qualify for most assisted livings. If if you are diabetic, you cannot move into an assisted living. Well, you know, we're living longer with a lot more chronic illnesses and that's, there's so many different dials that are being affected with this that that are driving up the cost. But a lot of it's because we live longer and we're getting, you know, we've got these major health issues now, you know, the diabetes, the Alzheimer's, the dementias, all those things cost a ton of money um, to manage care. Okay. But can, you've say. got a patient that spends 14, almost 15,000 a month and you can't check their blood sugar 
and administer insulin. Well, that's a care that's a care failure piece, but like in terms of like the system itself and you know how expensive things are, part of part of the things that work against us is because we have gotten so good in in medicine over the last hundred years. You know, I don't I don't know if we've talked about this before, but you know, two hundred years ago, the average life expectancy was thirty eight. I know. A hundred years ago, it was fifty four. Like good for us. Like we're living longer. The downside is your money has to go longer, and you're probably going to have a lot more chronic illnesses that you're going to have to deal with that are that are more costly. Mm-hmm. And we have. But you know what? I I, I, I agree with yeah. that. But do you, when you're 88, do you really have to have a specialist for cardiology, a specialist for pulmonology, a specialist for endocrinology? Can your general geriatric doctor not handle those things? I think that's what I'm talking about. It is just getting so convoluted. Um, well, there's arguments to be made. I, I don't make them, but the, you've heard people talking about, you know, the last six months of life are the most are the most costly because we're throwing a bunch of stuff at a human body to see how much more can we get out of it? How much longer can we have them live here? Um, you know, and there's a there's a cost analysis that needs to be run. I, I personally think that's a, that's a personal and family decision. Uh, I don't think the feds should get involved in that piece of it, but you know, um, is it worth the additional cost of, you know, surgeries or medications or whatever um, when you've got someone who's, you know, in the late, in the latter months. I, I agree. You know? Agree with you on that. And, and people do have choices and they have rights yeah. and, you know, they have a right to, if they want to have an elective surgery or mm-hmm. a surgery that's a 50-50. I'm not sure if this is going to help, sure. but we can try it. Yeah, let's go for it. You know, so, um, you know, there's just a lot of things to think about. Another thing that is um, is a big problem in our system with these fancy buildings, I'm just using an example, staffing shortages continue to be blamed on COVID. <laughs> and that what, is a thorn in my side. It kind of, it, well, it kind of is when yeah. you throw trillions of dollars at a problem and you know, the inflation is, is, has been really, we all feel it like mm-hmm. you go to the grocery store. And so, you know, you're the caregiving companies or whether they're private duty caregiving companies or assisted living. I feel bad. I, friends that own these things, mm-hmm. I feel bad for them. They, like they, their costs go up. Oh, astronomical. Because you're having to compete for, um, I hate to say the word, but lower skilled um, labor. Uh, that's just frankly what what the caregivers usually are, um, or they're younger in their careers. And so you're having to compete with, you know, the local shops down the road or the, the fast food joints or whatever. And when they're paying 15 bucks an hour, like it's really hard to get someone to come because it's a hard, caregiving is a hard job. It is very hard. It is very difficult. And so, you know, I feel bad for them because they're having to compete on that front, which just means that the costs get and then get pushed onto the consumers. And so that's why you're seeing these these dramatic raises mm-hmm. in uh, rent costs or caregiving hours or caregiving costs per hour, you know, the last few years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So COVID kind of is somewhat to blame. It's really more of our country's response to COVID, but it did, it did have an impact on that. You're right. So, so Brian, who is the potential victim of healthcare problems of this cost? Who's of- the potential victim? Well, the, I think the, the ultimately, I don't, I hate the word victim, but the, ultimately the person who's most at risk for this is the individual senior themselves and probably their closest care, uh, family members. You know, I think it's all of us. Yeah, I think we all need to be prepared. I think we need to just. Every family needs to have this conversation. It's interesting you said, yes, I agree. It's interesting you said that. I'm going to pull this data, this chart real quick. Um, there was a thing, because I don't want to misquote. Um, there, they looked at, here it is. 
Um, this was done by a group that uses um, sensor technology in homes. And so I guess they did a bunch of studies. I don't think that this was their study. So they don't call it, they don't state who actually came up with the study. They just say a group of studies. By some estimates, states can save states because, you know, the Medicaid stuff is not done at the federal level. It's done at the state level. States can save an average of $9 million per day in healthcare costs by making it possible for just 10% of the, their elderly population to remain in their homes for an additional one to two years. Wow. So there could be an argument to be made at the state level that having some sort of funding, additional funding, again, it's not the Medicaid side that we're most concerned about because there's already there's already the, the safety right. net for them. It's it's really the middle income folks. And by the way, you know, here in Dallas, I know that the Medicaid beds, or there's a wait list. Oh, they... Like, it, you know, and so now what am I doing when I'm waiting? You know, so the the people who are most at risk are like the middle income folks, um, and so there's a, there's an argument to be made of can we do something at the state level if we're actually if it's going to end up being pushed to the state taxpayers anyway, you know if we can say what is it nine million dollars per day just by taking care of the the ten percent and keeping their homes for another year or two, you know what's that look like? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that sounds good. So in that in that end, you know we're we're all kind of at risk for. I don't know if it's mismanagement. I think it's just, it's happened over time. You know, I think you could you could see the silver tsunami happening, you know, because we saw the baby boomers aging or whatever. And I just think, you know, we're, we as Americans, we're just not really good planners. I think we're selfish too. Yeah. Americans are selfish. You know, I just got back from Europe and had a wonderful time. And just what I loved over there is life is just simpler over there. Yeah. And I think we have so much as Americans, you know, we just, we supersize everything, <laughs> We do, <laughs> you know, and, you know, sometimes we just need to get down back to basics and simple and being kind to one another, bring your neighbor who's been in the hospital, a casserole, you know, yep. we don't do that anymore. You know, you know, Dallas, Texas, we don't, yeah. you know, so, um, you know, I just think we need to take care of each other and we need yep. to take care of our loved ones. And well, we need to start having these conversations as family members way before it's time. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, um, you know, if your parents are in their 60s and 70s, before they start having those, you know, catastrophic illnesses or whatever, or the dementias are setting in or whatever, like this is the time to start having those conversations so that everyone's prepared of, okay, what kind of assets are we, are we dealing with? You know, how many kids we got? What are their assets? Like who, who can, can mom or dad come live with one of us? You know, start having those conversations now. Cause you know, as well as I do, most of the time this stuff happens, it's in crisis mode. It's absolutely crisis. It, is, it happens and they all no of a sudden. Idea what to do. That's right. And now everyone's making decisions, long-term decisions with a very short time frame to deal with, to, um, to make those decisions on, mm -hmm. you know, limited information and limited time frame. And stress, not a really good combination. That's why they should hire a that nurse navigator. <laughs> That's right. Yes, I know. That we yeah, help. Joe. I know. We help in those crises. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna talk do a couple of case studies uh -huh. and just briefly talk about. Or would you have time for two? One or two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about a client of mine right now, Jim. So I'm just gonna talk a little bit about Jim and telling you his situation and. How do we handle this? So Jim is an 80-year-old recently widowed male. He was a veteran, um, served in Vietnam. He falls. He has chronic cardiac and lung issues, heavy smoker, heavy drinker. Um, he is dependent on oxygen, no longer smokes. He worked until he was 65, but took out after 65, still continued living like he still had a paycheck 
and wound up taking out two reverse mortgages on his home. Mm. So right now he lives in Dallas, but has if he were to sell his home tomorrow, he would not um, make but probably fifty to seventy five thousand. Everything needs to go back to the bank. Um, but he wants to stay at home. He's fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in rehab. He's in rehab right now. He paid an expert to help him with VA benefits. Good. Um, but five li- months later, we haven't heard anything. So, um, um, so we can connect him to our mutual friend, Eric. Okay. That would there, be awesome. There is, there is a bridge company who, while you're waiting for Medicare, I'm, I'm so glad we had him on the show a couple of, couple of um, know, episodes I ago. That um, there is a bridge company where you need care now. And um, while the application process is going on, they will actually fund your care. That's you pay awesome. them a, you pay them a small percentage ongoing, but you don't have to wait like the six month time. That's awesome. That's yeah. all. Well, so we'll talk with Eric. Yeah. Um, so right now he's in <clears throat> rehab. Um, he has had no therapy for one week. So I marched up to that nurse's office and therapy office, and he did get therapy today. Um, but he wants to go home, and he has yeah. no money for caregivers. So he did find out that he will be reimbursed if he pays for caregivers, but we don't know when that will be because we don't know about the VA. He will qualify. But anyway, everything's in the unknown. So he doesn't want to hire caregivers. He really doesn't have the money. Um, he doesn't want to move in with his daughter. She's got four dogs, three kids, and he, you know, he's fallen already. How would you? And I, I love you said that answer. Um, finding about that bridge mm-hmm. program. Yeah. What else would you suggest? Um. I, so as a therapist, I would look at the what are the what are the reasons why he doesn't feel like he would be safe at home? Is it because of the falls? Because of the falls, and he drinks by himself. Okay. Well. So some of this is going to be a behavioral mod- modification for him, right? So if we're having falls, like we need to, we need to be avoiding things that are going to contribute to that. So I would definitely have a home safety um, assessment done to see what else do we need to be doing in this home to make this place safer. Um, it could be rearranging furniture. It could be getting rid of some furniture. It could be raising furniture, lowering furniture. Um, you know, how accessible are the bathrooms and the tubs um, and the toilets? Um, you know, a number of different things. Like we look at 68 different things when we're in a, when we're at home. And to make life it, alert too. So yes, we've gotten that, that ordered. Yeah. So I would first and foremost look to see what things, what when I, and when I say assets, I mean like what assets in terms of human assets that we have access to, what assets, like what does the actual home asset look like? Um, what's the equipment um situation look like? Like what kind of equipment does he have? Does he need? Um, There's a lot of things that you can do to shore up somebody in their home to keep them there a little bit longer without a ton of need for the private duty. At some point, like you're going to need caregiver help. But if he's with it and it's just a matter of it's it's a functional safety issue and maybe some behavioral modifications with the drinking piece, like if you want to drink, fine, but drink in bed, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, have a urinal or something. So you like, there's probably, there's a lot in there. There's a lot of variables to look at. I would say the first thing to do with him though, is get him connected with um, Eric and see what we can do I love on that, Thank on that you. piece of it. Cause they may be able to get some caregiver help right off the bat. That's awesome. Or go live with your daughter for a couple, for a few weeks while you rehab a little bit further to make it a little bit safer for you to go. And home. I recommended that yeah. too. There's a, there's a number of different ways. And, and so, you know, we're really careful when we work with uh, patients of ours that, I'm not here to tell you what to do. Uh, my job is to lay out, hey, here's what we're dealing with. Here's options of all these things that we can look at. And then 
I'll help guide you through the process on what do we need to do to make this to make this environment safer for you. Um, but you know, I'm not in there to rip out rugs, and you know, I don't do demo demolition stuff myself. And but you know, we make the recommendations and you know, try to figure out what's going to fit your lifestyle. I love that, and yeah. that can keep him in his home. Right. That, that's great. Do you have any? Do you have a case study we could talk about? We have them all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we have a recent one where um, it's kind of a sad case. Uh, the mother was had a stroke early, like young. I think she's in her 50s. And mm. her oldest daughter, I think, is 22 or 23. And then there, I think there are two other siblings. And so the older daughter, who's very young herself and still, you know, she's not wise enough. She hasn't been on the planet long enough to really be wise. So she has no idea how to navigate all this stuff mm. for her mom. Um, but her mom is almost complete dependent on her daughter, who Aww. also, by the way, has to raise two smaller kids. And, you know, this is one of those scenarios where it probably was not foreseen. Like, who's going to expect somebody in their 50s to have a stroke like this? Um, but this is another one of those scenarios where there's clearly not money, you know? And so we're having to get them connected with social services and those kind of things to help um, put some pieces in place for them because it's just, this is a hard situation. Wow. I would yeah. recommend a lot of the churches now are doing adult daycares and they're, yeah. they're like a mother's day out, yes. you know, when our kids were little, uh, but they're a, mom's day out or yes. a daughter's day yes, out. I've seen that before too. And a lot of churches know the need, you know, um, yeah. these people that are in that, that are not poor, poor and not rich, rich. Mm -hmm. So they're right in the middle, but that's what I would do is try to find some kind of adult day yeah, program. We're doing that too. Yeah. And then how her home is that paid for? No, they rent. Oh, yeah, wow. There's no assets. Yeah. This is well, there are the low income, um, 50 plus apartment yep. complexes. And I've had residents that have lived, patients that have lived in those. And mm -hmm. I've been very. Yep. They're pleased. nice. There's several of them around very here. Ever, nice. The Evergreen properties yes. here are really nice. Yeah. 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 Now, the kids, the young kids couldn't live there. Right. You know, the daughter and the young kids, but, you know. They don't have any money for caregivers. Like she is the caregiver. Wow. Yeah. So How it, old are the children? Young. Um, I, they, I wasn't the therapist on the case, but they're, they're significantly younger than the older daughter. Oh wow! Yeah. So again, another one of these. We see them all the time. You and I have a I mutual know. client that we that we worked with that you know um, didn't have. He had assets that were paid off, but had no cash flow coming in, and so trying to figure out how to navigate that kind of stuff and figuring out okay, what is it? What do we actually have that we can work with here? Um, a lot of that went through. We we connect reconnected him uh, with a family member who had been in his life, but not as much in his life, and so he needed that to help navigate some other things, and so he's. On a, he's on a much better path now. I'm but, so glad. Yeah. That's good to hear that. Yep. Well, Brian, thank you so much. I think that the takeaway here is save, communicate with your family. What are your wishes? Mm -hmm. You know, you... Beforehand. Before. And, you know, it should be a conversation where I'm sure you're already talking about with your high schooler, where does he want to go to college? Mm -hmm. That's a normal conversation for a high school student and their parents. You know what? It should be a normal conversation when an adult turns 50. Mom, dad, we need to know what your wishes are going to be. Right. You know, you never know what tomorrow's right. going to bring. Well, a lot of a lot of people will have, you know, they've got long-term care, not long-term, let me rephrase that. They have like the wills and um, trusts set up in the event of their eventual passing. 
but not a lot of people are, are setting up things for, you know, the for before, before then, like, <laughs> yeah. where do I want to go? Do I want to yeah. be, do I want to live in my own home as long as I can? Okay. What does that look like? What's the cost look like? Or are you okay moving to an assisted living or memory care facility or what have you, you know, and what does that cost like look, look like? What assets do we have to be able to pay for that? Can family members help? Like all those things need to be discussed way before because the last thing you want to be doing is in the, in the middle of a crisis, having to figure that piece out, and which you know, is what we see all the time. I know this sounds crazy and people are like, I don't want to tour a community, but tour a community, you know, have a conversation with your 50 year old parents, 60 year old parents. Just look what's out there. Look at the cost. There's some beautiful we ones just out there. Need, there's yeah. some wonderful yeah. ones. It's real funny though, because I've been going with this particular client to look at places and they all kind of say the same thing. So I think they're key words that they, oh, they yeah. say. There's industry yeah. jargon. Yeah. 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 We so, all have it. Yeah. I know. And I'm like, please don't say that again because she's already heard it every time. And right. let's do something unique. You sound, you sound like the last place you went to. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> but anyway, so just be prepared. Yep you know, um, just have that conversation and be willing to help. If, if you do have the means, yep. you know, everything is costing more. And so if, if a family member has the means help, right? you know, so thank you so much. This was great. T dying broke, you know, it, it's just such it's an sad. important conversation. It's very sad, yep. but it's reality. That's right. That's so right. anyway, Thanks, Joe. thank you, Brian. Right, see you next time. Sounds good. Right, you bye. have a great day. Thank you.